audio. Welcome to Doc Talk, a weekly podcast featuring Monument Health physicians addressing medical topics. Tune into your health with Monument Health. Hello again, and welcome to this edition of Doc Talk with Monument Health. My name is Mark Houston, and joining me again is uh, Dr. Felicia Beltman, who's an audiologist at Monument Health Spearfish Clinic. God, you know, all the years I've been talking on the radio, I come to audiologist, and that's the one that trips me up. Um, you know, uh, Dr. Beltman, we never really talked about uh, kind of your background, where you're from. You are 100% local. Yeah, I'm born and <laughs> raised in Rapid City. Um, went to Stevens High School and okay. then went off to Morningside College in Iowa, in Sioux City, Iowa, and then went to graduate school at the University of South Dakota in Vermilion. Did they, in Iowa, did they specialize in this? Is this is this the college that you went to or is that just where you got started and then? Nope, that's just where I did my undergrad. Okay. There, um, right on the border there, practically <laughs> in South Dakota. Yeah, you never uh, really left. You're right. <laughs> uh, no, I went there. Played soccer. And <laughs> oh, did you really? Yeah. Oh, awesome. And got a degree in biology and then went to the University of South Dakota there. Okay. Again, just across the right. border there in Vermilion for audiology school. Well, I'm assuming while you played soccer, you wore plenty of ear protection then, correct? Not ear protection, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, let's talk, uh, let's talk about um, hearing aids and cochlear implants. You had told me that almost all hearing loss can be fixed, can be corrected, or at least Most give it, yep. a semblance of, of what it used to be for these people. And I thought that was pretty amazing because I believe with uh, with vision, there are some instances where you may never be able to see again when you lose your vision. Um, but hearing, at least it gives you that hope that even if something's damaged, you'll be able to fix it. Uh, and we were also talking a little bit about uh, a lot of videos that you see when people get their cochlear implants turned on and how emotional it is in a lot of instances. And boy, did you enlighten me as to why uh, that is is a good thing and maybe maybe not so good for some people as well. So I think if we talk about this, and this is something people are considering getting done, they'll have all the information. Um, so obviously there are different types of hearing loss, right? Correct. Um, so... What would be some of them? So there are different different types of hearing loss, meaning sensory neural hearing loss, conductive hearing loss, or you can have a mixed hearing loss, which is um, a combination of those. Well, first what's two. The, what's the sensory then? So the sensory neural hearing loss is into the it was a damage in the cochlea, which can happen from age, noise, genetics, and then it can ha- also have damage in through the nerve. Okay. Um, and then that is a permanent hearing loss. That is not something that we're going to be able to medically fix. Whereas a conductive hearing loss typically occurs in what they call the middle ear, and that is where sound, the outer and middle ear, I should say, that's where sound has trouble conducting through the ear. So sometimes uh, people will be born without an ear canal, or there's just no canal there, but everything else is, is there. They just need to open the canal, or sometimes they can't open the canal, and then we fit a different kind of a hearing aid on that. Or you'll hear kids getting fluid in the middle ear and they that's a conductive hearing loss if we take that out it's fixed so conductive hearing losses typically can be treated medically um, meaning we'll um, refer to an ENT or an ear nose and throat surgeon and they um, can consult there Uh, but sometimes conductive hearing losses can't be medically treated and then they'll come back to us for Uh, that so a lot of parents I think what they're most 
familiar with or that seems like to be the most is, is the most common the tubes is that happened quite a bit with that's with, very with common kids. for kids yeah um as far as permanent hearing loss goes is sensory neural hearing loss okay what are the what 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 happen why do kids need the tubes in a lot of instances it what's happening there there's fluid behind that middle ear and then the tube will allow the fluid to come out um ENTs can go into a lot more detail <laughs> yeah, there sure. as far as that goes. Um, we just we work um, in tandem with that oh, okay. to make sure that the fluid isn't causing hearing loss and that the the um, I help um, like I work very closely with Dr. Jones since mm-hmm. he is our ENT there in Spearfish um, to test kids to see kind of where they're at as far as as their fluid there is it impacting their hearing. Um, things like that. Okay, so uh, uh, kind of touched a little bit then about um, how these 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 are treated differently, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, are are the two main treatments for something like this a hearing aid or an implant? Are those kind of the main ways to treat it outside of surgery? Um, so as far as treating hearing loss, hearing aids are going to be our first option. Okay. they're the least invasive option. Mm-hmm. So hearing aids are um, taking the sound and just making it louder. Okay. That's what a hearing aid does. There's a lot of features to hearing aids. There's a lot of fancy features to hearing aids as far as reducing background noise, Bluetooth. Um, There's Bluetooth versions of hearing aids? Almost all hearing aids now have Bluetooth in them and are rechargeable, so you don't have to put a battery in every day. And Oh, I never even thought about Yeah, yeah they would have had to have batteries yeah. in them. And some of them are starting to have like AI technology where when you walk in a room, it kind of analyzes and <sighs> is there sound over here? Is there noise over here? And it can shut down noise, raise speech. Um, a lot of different features to hearing aids. They've come a long ways. Oh, that's I, I, you don't want one ever, but it's like that's oh, kind of cool. It sounds like those would be fun to have when you go into a room. Yeah. So when you, <laughs> someone gets a phone call, they just answer it on their phone, and it's in their hearing aids. Oh my god! They can listen to podcasts on their hearing aids. <laughs> um, so yeah, they've come they've come a long way. So that's our first, and that can treat a mild hearing loss down to a severe hearing loss, um, but typically more mild to um, severe hearing losses. Was it was it a big deal for you um, once they made? hearing aids kind of over the counter was that a, mm, a change anything for you not really okay. not really because the over-the-counter hearing aids treat mild to moderate hearing loss okay they require you to fit them by yourself at home and there's just not a lot of people that have the skill set to do that right. effectively and so then the hearing aids, they either don't like them, they don't work well enough, and then they end up in our office and say, well, I tried these, but yeah. they didn't work. Or I bought these for my husband, but they don't work. And then they come to us and we, we talk about why and different options. And once we can talk about that, they see the difference, they're blown away. Well, that's a great point. Um, I don't think, I think a lot of people think, well, I can go in, I can, I can get my, you know, my Benadryl, and then I'll buy my hearing aid in the same shopping trip, thinking it'll be as easy as popping it in your ear Right. And, and it'll work. But I don't think a lot of people realize just how much goes into making sure they fit correctly. Right. right. There's a lot. There's a lot that goes into making it work. I think of it like um, just an analogy is when you see commercials for like dental devices. Yeah. You just they'll send you this stuff. You do this. You do that. They'll send they'll send you a retainer or whatever. Um, you can do that. You may very well mess up your whole mouth. Well, of course. Um, yeah. Whereas. 
I would prefer to go to a dentist who has the experience who can look at my mouth and tell me you need this or you need that or that's not a good idea for you because of, you know, X, Y, and Z right. that I, I have no knowledge in. I don't have any knowledge in dental. Um, so I'm going to go listen to a professional. And that's <laughs> how I think of it with hearing aids and hearing loss. It may seem really simple. You just pop them on and now I can hear. Are you getting enough? Are you getting enough right. volume or do you have or do you have too much? Do you have it in the right range? Are you, you know, causing more yeah. hearing loss? Are you treating the hearing loss? Because a lot of times um, people with hearing loss don't know how much volume they really need. They don't really know where that line is. They have trouble um, assessing sound. Basically. That is that's probably the best public service you can take from this is, you know, yes, you can go get your own. But, oh, boy, if you want these things to work. I mean, see somebody that knows. That's what we're doing. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, and um, so that's the first one. That's the kind of the, the first way to treat hearing right. loss is hearing aids. Once we start working with someone, we will, as we're testing, as we're working with that patient, we um, look at what we call their audiogram. That's a graph of where their hearing loss is. And then we look at how they functionally do with their family. How do they communicate? Um at some point along that journey, when we start to really see things change, we'll probably say to them, you know, you're looking more and more like a cochlear implant candidate. Is that something you want to talk about? Is that something you want to discuss? And my goal is always just to educate. So I, people can make their own choices, their own decisions as patients. My job is to educate you in all the different options that you have, why someone may choose one option over another, and then let you make those choices for yourself. So I'm, I'm here to be you know, go right. alongside the patient. Um, I'm so amazed that uh, a, a cochlear implant can actually restore hearing to somebody that's never had it, correct? Yes and no. So when you're, when a child has never had hearing and they're, you know, they're an infant, mm-hmm. cochlear implantation can take place up to starting at nine months. Oh, I was going to say, okay, nine months, mm-hmm. perfect. That's, at nine months of age. Okay. Um and that would be for a baby that has what we call profound hearing loss, meaning there is uh, no, de- when we test, there's really no detectable hearing mm-hmm. in the cochlea. Um, and then, so beyond that, then we, you can implant a child then, you know, very, very right. young. If someone has been what we call deafened for, you know, 20, 30 years, even, even 10, 15 years, and they've never had hearing, they're not going to be necessarily a good candidate. Can we still implant them? Is everything still there to do the implantation? Yes. Are they going to be necess- what we would consider successful? What, are they going to have the level of su- success that, that they want? It depends. That's where you manage those expectations. And, I see. And you have to really know what the goal is for that because if that's the case, then at best you're probably looking just can you hear sound, and we call that sound awareness. Okay. So, so. it is – so am, am, I, am I getting the right point from this? Is, is it better for, for a baby starting at nine months to, to get it then, to get it earlier? Yep. Earlier, the, earlier, earlier the, better. the better. for sure. Mm-hmm. So, because we want, to, we want to get that sound in. And that yeah. has to do also with um, not just the health of the nerve and everything, the auditory nerve, but you're then looking at the speech side of things, right. the language side of things, and how the brain develops language. And we need to have that input in there by about three or four. So what, um, and, and maybe you did kind of touch on this a little bit, but what... Uh, what what damage can a cochlear implant fix? 
It's typically the cochlear damage. It's just just to the cochlear. That's the cochlea. Okay. Yep. yep. So there's there's you know little, the terminology. Yeah. Better no, than that's I do. fine. <laughs> um, so what we're doing is sending a there's a little electrode that a surgeon would implant into the cochlea. That electrode then excites the nerve and sends electrical information to the nerve. Okay. So when you're hearing, as we're designed to hear, and as you're hearing with a hearing aid, that's acoustic sound. So you're getting acoustic sound in. With a cochlear implant, we're sending acoustic sound into the outside piece that you see. Mm -hmm. That's transmitted into electricity, and then that electricity is sent through the nerve because that's what our our nerves use to communicate. Can, Can you use hearing aids and implants? Not on the same ear. So if we implant one ear, you only use a cochlear implant oh, on that ear. Okay. You use a hearing aid. Then a lot of times you'll see a hearing aid on the other side, if not another cochlear oh, is it, implant. Oh, so that's kind of common, mm-hmm, for, common for a lot of people? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Adults okay. are different. So then adults, if you've had hearing and you've, you have language, then if you lose that, then we can implant with with good success. Oh, the difference is when you haven't had any stimulation to that nerve and to um, how the brain hears is different. So if you've had hearing, implants are fine later in life. Right. You've never had hearing to that ear. If, if nothing's ever been done to the, that ear, probably not a good candidate. If you're a child, and you know, an infant or a baby, toddler, somewhere in mm-hmm. there, um, Makes sense. Yes. Then, then implantation young is fine. Well, that gets then that gets back around to all of these videos you see yes. um, online of people that have their implants turned on, and it's and it's a big moment when you watch a lot of these videos. And some of them are pretty moving. I mean, some of them are you know these people are I don't know if they've if 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 they've never heard like you said, or if they had hearing and now it's back, or or watching kids. And when you watch them, you're like, wow, that's that's amazing science, the technology. And it's not always the case, though, right? Not always. So I do see a lot of moving things in my clinic and a lot of things where I'm like, wow, my job is so cool. Right. I get to help this this person. I get to help this family. Um, and it is it is amazing. But there are instances where turning that cochlear implant can be scary. It can be nerve wracking, can be, wow, this is this is too much right now. Um, kind of feelings because you are introducing sound to a nerve that hasn't had sound in a long time. And yeah, you never think about that when you're watching mm-hmm. that ever. So what what does it sound like? It can what sound it- metallic. It can sound kind of screechy. Um, but the main point is that's just the beginning. And we do we do a lot of counseling and a lot of sitting down yeah. and a lot of talking about this prior to. Um, so these patients also know that what typically what to expect or we've talked about it in the moment that might feel different right mm-hmm. um, but we've we've had those conversations um, that this is day one of a, of a long journey yeah so those patients know that it could take three to six months sometimes up to nine months to really understand speech with that cochlear implant now they have a hearing aid on the other side and that hearing aid is assisting in those conversations we have them do what's called oral rehab um, which is kind of like hearing therapy. Right. Um, and so I just don't want anyone to think, okay, because it's scary the first day or there may be, yeah, it may yeah. be like intimidating the first day, that that's not something I want to do, um, that it's just day one of a, of a very beautiful journey typically. Right. Well, it has to be like anything. If you go for knee replacement, you got to know that that that's next exactly day. exactly what is I gonna, tell people. Right. I, I tell people all the time. I say, when you, if you go get a knee that you don't pop up off the table and say, <laughs> okay, I'm going to go to go for a run. Thanks. Right. Yeah. You say, okay, I am going to do my therapy. Yeah. I'm going to take, you know, take it as it comes. 
um, and and really work hard at it. Do, do you have people that once they're turned on and once they've gone through the process, they're like, I, I just, I don't want it. I, you know, it's, I, you know, it helps, sure, whatever, but maybe I was better off without um, things sounding I personally this have not had that, really? but I'm, I'm sure that happens. I've sure. heard of that happening. Um, I think every patient is different, and mm-hmm. that's something you have to consider, too is where did you where did you start on this journey not everybody starts at the same place and it's not all it's not comparing you know apples to apples right some of the biggest things we look for are um how long has this hearing loss been there how long you know what they call it duration of deafness um what caused the deafness what was the was it noise was it a sickness was um was it something you know a traumatic to you know an accident or something like that um and then what is the support like? Do you have good family support? Mm. Do you have someone there to help you? Do you have someone there to remind you to do your, your reading and your, um, your, your rehab type stuff? Um, is, do you have someone to communicate with? Yeah. Because obviously. if you're sitting in quiet <laughs> with your cochlear implant on, it's, it's hard to really practice. You need someone to talk to. You need to have conversations. How social are you? Um, so there's, there's a lot of factors to it, and that's obviously something we go through in the clinic. But... Um, no, I think those videos are fun. I think yeah. sometimes it can be like that. I've had and hearing aids too. Um, the hearing aid ones are probably more sure. immediate, right? Um, but no, they're they're fun. They're beautiful. You have those special moments. Um, but sometimes even I'm watching them and I'm like, that can't be her. That can't be her first time. Right. Or um, <laughs> that might you know. That, yeah. That could be. There's there's probably more to that story. Then. Right. Can you turn off the implants? You just take it off. You just take it off. Just take it oh, off. I see. In that social situation, you're just like, I'm just tired of listening to you. Take it off. <laughs> Put it in the pocket. <laughs> Absolutely. I have a cousin who wears two cochlear implants, and she has been known to well, what pop got, them off. What got you into this? Uh, why did this become a field for you? Um. Well, like most audiologists, you thought you were going to be a speech-language pathologist, and mm. then the undergraduate courses are the same. Okay. And so I... Had been my cousin um, was born deaf, and so I was around her, and I've been around hearing loss and you know her deafness, her cochlear. She has cochlear implants, um, and at one point had hearing aids, and so I've been around that my whole life. Okay. And then um, I would be there sometimes when her speech language pathologist would come to the house when she was really little, um, and I was like, that is cool. And so as I got older, I was like, that would be a cool job. And so I went to originally go to school for that, and then I got into audiology, and I was like, no, I think this is <laughs> this is where I want to be, and um, so that's how I end, yeah ended up in audiology. Okay, in the future, um, what do you see uh, as far as technology goes? As far as you know, because everything seems to be it seems like every two years, it seems like something brand new has popped up in mm-hmm. in fields like this. Do you see anything exciting in the horizon that might change the way we use implants or hearing aids? Or is this kind of or is there any other way really to fix this um, outside of those devices? I know there's always different research going Mm -hmm. on with the hair cells of the inner ear are really the problem. They're they're what goes bad. Because once they're gone, they're gone, right? Right. They don't come back. There's no rejuvenation. Yeah. And so right now there are, there's research on that. Do I think we're close to that? No. Um, But I I think people are always going to be exploring that option. Yeah. 
um, as far as technologies go, uh, hearing aids are always, they're just going to continue to well, advance as, boy, no as everything advances. <laughs> so getting smaller, um, getting, things are rechargeable right now, but mm-hmm. the battery life will continue to get better, I think. Right. Um, the technology in them, as far as the noise suppression, noise, is, noise background noise is going to be everyone's, with a hearing aid's number yep. one issue, number one problem, understandably. And so the that fee- those features are just going to continue to get better. Um, the comfort, yeah. having something that's on the air. That's got to be a big one too, sure. Yeah, and so I think that's kind of where we're going. And cochlear implants will just follow that same line, yeah. the rechargeability, the technology, the noise suppression, the sound. Because hearing aids and cochlear implants will, yes, they give you hearing back, but it's never your normal natural hearing. Right. And that's not not necessarily an expectation that we give. And so I think that, too, is somewhere where technology is going, is just getting it to be more and more natural sounding. Excellent. Well, Dr. Felicia Beltman, thank you very much for coming in and talking. Oh, I could uh, talk about ears these... and hearing all day long. So. <laughs> well, I, like I said, I went down some rabbit holes just watching videos of this. And that what's inside your ear is unbelievably fascinating just for how it connects to so much else in your body. And you, nobody really gives that a, a second thought. No, we right? always talk about hearing being quality of life. So right. if you can't hear, you can't communicate that it severely impacts your quality of life. And it, we didn't really talk much about adult hearing loss, but that is one of the factors for cognitive decline is isolation. Oh, and of so course, it's yeah. not that hearing loss causes dementia or causes cognitive decline. It's that you're isolated because you went to church or you went to a social event and you didn't hear right. or you heard wrong and everyone kind of laughed or was like, what are you talking about? And that was embarrassing and you're not going back. So now you've quit going out, you stay home, you don't socialize. And now that cognitive decline can set in because you're so isolated. And so if we can keep you hearing, if we can keep you in conversation, if we can keep you out and about in your community, still wanting to volunteer, still wanting to be part of that, that's going to be huge for your overall health, not just for your hearing, um, but, but for your mental health, for your physical health. I keep hearing every time I go to my parents' house uh, when I'm talking to my dad or making conversation. He's 81. My mom's 81. And uh, my mom will say, he didn't hear a word you said because he turned his hearing aids off. And uh, she says, I know he does that on purpose. <laughs> so, so maybe for some people, it's not the isolation. It's just, just want things to be quiet for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, happen. again, this, yeah, anytime you want to come back, uh, doctor, and talk about this, uh, there's so many other interesting things just on the inside of your ear yep. that uh, I didn't think was as fascinating as it was. And, and, uh, and you made it a lot of fun. So I appreciate it. Good. Good. <laughs> Dr. Felicia Beltman is a doctor of audiology at Monument Health at the Spearfish Clinic. Thank you very much for coming in and talking. Thank you. You bet. Doc Talk with Monument Health is recorded live at Homeslice Studios, hosted by Mark Houston, edited by Russ Hatton, engineered by Chris Jaquist, and produced by Kelsey Kinney and Rob Henry.